Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB were looking back at Thursday, and um, apparently light pollution is out of control. Sort of, I don't, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do about it. Uh, the great news about holidays. Uh, th- thank you, Marcus. That'll be a good way to end the podcast. But before anything else, of course, the... Uh, the Jamie Lee Ross saga wouldn't be a saga if it didn't continue day after day after day after day. There have been questions asked about the solidarity of the National Party caucus. I would argue that the problems simply congeal around one individual. Remove the man out of the equation and what's left? Not a hell of a lot. Perhaps some questions about donations and the style of Bridges leadership. But apart from that, nothing in comparison to the accusations now falling at the doorstep of Mr Ross. Is Simon Bridges safe? Yes. It would be naive to assume that any change of leadership would carry any assurance or guarantee whatsoever of these problems going away. As Bridges stated earlier, Ross has been probably re-recording his colleagues for months. Perhaps in the fullness of time and as developments continue, Mr Ross may eventually find his status diminishing to that of the sound of a dog barking in the distance who people are more inclined to ignore. As for the national uh, damage to National and its leader... Some have said it's incalculable. I would suggest that the last few hours and the latest newsroom revelations about Ross's behaviour make that calculation a little less complicated. As I argued earlier in the week, it was Bridges' pursuit of the leaker that's led to all this. And despite how unpleasant it is now, surely the National Party and ultimately New Zealand politics will be better off knowing about the sort of malignant boil which was festering within its midst. As for yesterday's tape of the conversation between Bridges and Ross, it was something of a fizzer. Ultimately, it'll boil down to New Zealanders' sense of fair play and whether a private conversation should be as damning as some would have us believe. And regarding the upcoming by-election, it's hard to imagine National facing too much opposition from Mr Ross, whose uh, moral compass, in my view, seems to be so skew-whiff, it's a wonder he could find his way out of the building. So no real winners there as far as Tim Beveridge is concerned. He's been standing in for Andrew Dickens this week. Uh, What about Leighton? He's been standing in for Leighton. I have... I've spoken to a couple of people who have had relationships with, and I mean, and I don't mean affairs, I mean relationships, as in as in politics, etc., with um, with Jamie Lee Ross uh, in the in well since the program yesterday. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, it's the same sort of comment. There is a very, very strong consistency. Do I need to spell it out? It's not good. It's unsavory. It's uh, honest opinion, and it's from people who have had experience. Um, and I could list I could list a few names that you would uh, that you would recognise. Now, those people don't particularly want to be quoted. I spoke to one just a, a, a short while ago, and I said. Um, well, I, I just said, tell me what you want. And what I got was a consistent um, report with everything else that's been said, based on personal contact and experience with JLR, as he's going to become known shortly, I think. Uh, there are two aspects to this. There's him, of course, and there is Simon Bridges. Um, they're part of the same story. They're in the news for the same reason, but they, um, they will have different results because they're two different people in two different positions. In the end, when Jamie Lee Ross disappears, um, home to look after, hopefully he's still got a home to go to and look after his kids and be forgotten, 
and stop making headlines and stop being uh, fated by the press, um, he'll be able to get on with a, a life and resurrect himself, hopefully. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all turn out all right in the end. I'm absolutely confident about that. Is Kate Hawkesby absolutely confident about that? It was like listening to an episode of Get Smart. That phone call sounded more Maxwell Smart and Agent 99 than it did national politicians. How many leaders would fall for that? I'm picking not many. But as far as private phone calls go, I don't expect any of us would sound the same on the phone to our mates or colleagues as we do on a public platform, but there needs to be some bridge, excuse the pun, between the two. What we got yesterday was a revelation, an unrecognisable bridges, and it speaks to his character. The departure between public and private bridges seems so great, he's lost a key tenet of a public profile, to be authentic. You can be a dick, you can be a bore, you can be naive, as long as you're authentic and true to yourself. Simon now seems so publicly coached, so PR'd, that he's lost the ability to be Simon. Publicly, He's been a robot. His biggest growth in leadership has been the past 24 hours. I'll give him that. In that respect, Ross has done him a favour. But at the same time, Ross has sealed Bridges' fate. Not with the tape. The tape exonerates him, and on that score, I think he'll fare okay. Apart from the casual racism, the potential purchasing of candidates, the desire to cull candidates, arrange candidates based on race, and calling one of his MPs effing useless. That insight into his character is potentially the undoing of him. That in the next chapter of the sorry saga. Yes, there's more. Another tape is apparently on the cards. Let's see what else is coming. Because to my mind, if it's not this week, it is inevitable that well before the next election, we'll be saying bye-bye to Bridges. I did not have Kate Pegg for a Maxwell Smart fan. Who knew? When you can just rattle off the names like Agent 99, you know what you're talking about. She must have sat there watching that show just like I did. Fantastic. Okay, let's there, please, let's leave Bridges and Ross behind now um, and uh, talk about a, a very serious problem. Uh, we can't see the stars. Uh, light pollution, is this a problem that is becoming more, more of a problem in New Zealand? Well, in a way, the, the report that came out today is a, sort of a good news and a bad news story, because the really good news is that um, in New Zealand, there are some incredibly dark places where you can get away from city lights and see um, astonishing views of the night sky. So in the South Island, over 90 percent of the South Island is really dark and over 70 percent of the North Island. So that's really good. But unfortunately, most New Zealanders live in cities. And these new measurements that came out in the report today show that over 50 percent of New Zealanders will never see the Milky Way if they stay in the city. So. As I say, it's one of those reports that's kind of really good because New Zealand's got these fantastic dark places when you get away from the cities. But the cities themselves are putting out a lot of light and um, that means that young people particularly may not connect with the night sky. Look, Ian, um, not seeing the, the, the Milky Way, that's a bit of a luxury, I'd imagine, to be able to see the thing. What is the, actual, what is the problem with light pollution? Well, I think um, we all live in cities and we all want to be safe. So I don't think anybody's saying that we should switch off all the lights in the cities. That would be a terrible thing to do. We, you know, I've got two daughters, we want them to be safe at night and that kind of thing. But there is more and more light at night. And over the next few years, cities are changing from the old-fashioned kind of yellowy street lights to these new LED ones. And they're going from yellow to white. Mm. And that's going to potentially impact the nature of nighttime. Um, and we don't really know much about that. There is all sorts of research out there suggesting that in putting out more light at night um, 
potentially might in fact you know, affect the environment and um, the flora and the fauna. So I guess nobody's saying that the light should be switched off, but we're all saying, well, actually, let's look at the, the nighttime environment. Does it have to be bright all the time? Are there things we can do to reduce this light pollution and maybe give people a chance to look at the night sky and, um, you know, enjoy the, the night sky? How important is it really? I mean, I think it's not going anywhere, this space. It's still going to be up there, whether we see it or not. Are we worried that it, if we can't see it, that something might happen to it and we won't know? Um, I suppose wishes. I mean, if, if, if you, you can't wish upon a star if you can't see a star, I suppose that, that, that'd be affected. Uh, I wish uh, I had more holidays every, every year. Uh, Marcus seems to have worked some magical maths on this. Oh, by the way, if you take three days off next year, the, 24th, the 23rd, the 24th, and the 26th of April, you take three days leave, you get a 10-day break. You'll get Easter, 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 break, break, Anzac Day, break, weekend, weekend. So you get, you get Good Friday, Easter, Easter, Good Monday, you break, you break, Anzac Day, you break, the weekend, 10 days, boomfer for three days, 10 for three. Do it tomorrow because everyone else will be doing it. And if you stay at work, right, no one will turn up. They'll just pull a sickie. It's such a good opportunity. Get on, grab a seat, book overseas, 10 days. It's like two weeks. Pull the kids, do the whole shebang. That's my advice to you. Found that on Twitter last night. So three for 10, it's not often that good. I mean, don't want to be disrespect to the fallen soldiers. You might want to go to a dawn service, but you get 10 days. Did we get that right? I think it's the 23rd, the 24th, the 26th, the days to take off. I think that's of April. Love it. In fact, I didn't do that myself, but I will do that tomorrow. Might go to Disneyland. Might go to Fjordland, anyway. Basically the same thing, aren't they? Fjordland and Disneyland. Uh, two of the happiest places on earth. Probably... Um, just swaying between which is the happiest and which is the second happiest. Probably um, it swaps from one to the other, depending on who is in which place. Because uh, if you get a real grumpy bugger going to Disneyland, you must bring its total happiness rating down a little bit, I would have thought. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, thank you for happily joining me here. Enjoy your long weekend, speaking of holidays, and we'll see you back here again on Tuesday.